Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 224. Kick it and flip it and sprinkle some style on it. I don't know why I put it into a rap song, but sure, it's my cheesy title. Hi, I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Mike. We had a little mix-up at the beginning, but Mike was very patient, so Mike, welcome again! And you already know the next question, but before we do that, hi Mike, how you doing? (laughs) Doing great, how are you? Fantastic. And Mike is already mentally prepared for this question. The cheesiest question of them all is, who is Mike? (laughs) So my name is Mike Schneider. I've been fingerboarding um, since I was nine years old. Now I'm 29. So that's about 20 years. And uh, a lot of people know me from YouTube. I have fingerboard videos that are pretty well known. I also own Flatface Fingerboards, the largest fingerboarding company in the U.S., and I hold fingerboard events where people come from all over the world to come fingerboard. Um, so yeah, fingerboarding is my favorite thing ever. It's my full-time job as well. So it's a whole lot of fun. You do it for work. You do it for your hobby. Okay. Before I move any forward, I have to ask the most important, important question of them all. Is there a fingerboard with an arm reach right now of you? Yes. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> There's like five. <laughs> Do you, okay, but next question. Do you have five hands? Just like nope. doing all of them? <laughs> no, I only got two. Oh, okay. I have so many other questions to ask about that. But no, I got to keep some order because you did mention you own a company. You did mention you have a YouTube channel. So I have to ask, where can people find you online? Or do you have also other projects you'd love to work or love to work on that you were working on that you'd love to share? Yeah. So you can find me on YouTube if you search Mike Schneider. Um, or probably if you search fingerboarding, I'll come up. Um, I have like one of the most popular YouTube channels for fingerboarding. So a lot of people kind of get started by seeing my videos and then they're they're like, oh, cool, fingerboarding. I want to try. You can also find me at flatfacefingerboards.com. So that's my company. Uh, We sell everything having to do with fingerboards. So if you want to get yourself a nice one and uh, try out like a really professional fingerboard, then go to the website. And then we also have events in Massachusetts. Uh, You'll find the info for that on the website as well. That's awesome. I'll put that down below. So it'll be very easy to find and people can go show you some love. And you said you sell pretty much everything related to fingerboarding. I have to ask, you also sell lessons. (laughs) Uh, Lessons are free if you go on YouTube. There you go. And you know what? I, I'm 30 years old, so around the same age. I'm sure I've seen some of your videos when growing up as well. So thank you cool. for teaching me. I still can't Ollie, but thank you for teaching me the aspiration, the inspiration to try to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's never too late to learn. Like some people start when they're adults and you can totally get the hang of it. Just takes some practice. And some cool dexterity moves. <laughs> Well, actually, it leads me to come back in time because you said you started this when you were nine years old. How did you get introduced to it? Was it like a commercial you saw on TV and said, that seems interesting? Or you just saw somebody else play with a fingerboard like, cool, I'd like to give that a try. Yeah, so it was kids in my class um, in like fourth grade. I had started skateboarding and kids had Tech Decks, which is like a plastic fingerboard brand, which you can buy. So if you're interested in trying fingerboarding, you can buy a tech deck for like $4 at Walmart and then see if it's for you, see if you like it before you spend money on like a good one. But anyways, so kids in my class had tech decks and I thought it was so cool. They were like flipping them around and stuff and I was skateboarding. So I was 
super into anything having to do with skateboarding. And so I just kind of joined in and I, I really liked it a lot. Like we would stay in from recess just to fingerboard. I could imagine as kids, you know, we have such wild imaginations. You're just looking around everywhere on the playground or anywhere. It's like, can I do a trick off that? Can I do a trick off that? Was that just your mind running around everywhere? Yeah, definitely. It's like <laughs> the mind of a skateboarder. You see everything mm -hmm. as something you can skate. And then if it's small, you see it as something you can fingerboard on. So like books and desks and ledges, countertops, whatever there is, like you can fingerboard on just about anything, just like you can skate on a lot of different things out in the world. Since you did both of them, now this might be a tricky question to answer. Which one did you think of more when it's, let's say you're out in public and you're just analyzing your surrounding. You're like, hmm, I could do an actual like full-size human skateboard trick off of that. Or I'm like, oh, I can actually do a fingerboard trick off of that. So which one were you focusing more on? Hmm. Yeah, that's a cool question. Um, I want to say both just because you're kind of just always looking around at what's around you. But I feel like I notice real skate spots more frequently than fingerboard spots just because, I don't know, they're bigger. You can spot them from a distance. And then it's kind of like if you're a little more close up to something, you might find something cool for fingerboarding. It's like, you know, kind of smaller and more intricate. Um, but yeah, it's really a lot of both. And to go back again to the first fingerboard you had do you still have it i do nice. i have a picture of it on my website as well there's like a little museum section you can see like a lot of my oldest boards some of the first ones i got and first ones i made and stuff like that do you ever go back to it or even tweak it to try to improve the the way it functions or just like you know what this is a classic for me i'm not gonna touch it yeah it's actually on my wall right now so it, it's just the board without any trucks and wheels on it but if i did have it put together i would just keep it as is um like i have some of my really old ones that are fully put together still and it's like of course i could put new stuff on them and make them better but it's kind of like kind of like history you know it's like i want to keep it how it was on the really old ones because once you change it that's it and it's like we have newer better boards now that are way more you know functional and easy to use and they feel better and stuff but the way that the old boards were, it's kind of like something you just want to preserve and, you know, use it once in a while as it, as it's the same as how you used it like 20 years ago. So it's really cool. It's like a, a vinyl. You just hold it for yeah. nostalgia and then you come back to listen to it every now and then, but you don't want to overdo it because they may break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're talking about they're made out of different materials. And I saw some of your videos as well that you create your own fingerboards, which is kind of like, you know what, instead of buying it, I know exactly what I'm looking for, what I need. And you just started creating them. So exp t tell, walk me through the process of where you decided to start doing it. Yeah. So, um, I started by modifying the tech decks that we had. I would put skateboard grip tape on it, which was a little grippier than the grip it came with. And then, you know, I would like start painting the trucks different colors and stuff like that. So naturally, like there's there's creativity starting to seep in a little bit. And then it's like, all right, well, there's wooden boards, but you can't really get them that easily. And, you know, I wanted to make some. Um, and it's basically the same process as making a real skateboard, but just tiny. So it took me a while to find the right kind of wood. You have to get like really thin wood and everything. Um, and basically you're gluing multiple layers of really thin wood on top of each other, which is how a skateboard is made too. 
um, just smaller wood, obviously, like really, really thin. And you're pressing it in a mold and that gives it the shape once it dries. And then you basically cut out uh, and then sand the shape around the sides and everything, drill holes in it and then lacquer it so it's nice and shiny and crisp. And that's that's the basic process. And then you just screw on the trucks and wheels and you put some grip on it and you're ready to go. And you sound like a very curious individual, which I love. And with all the new technology coming out nowadays, you can make a fingerboard out of so many different types of materials. Has your curiosity, I'm not going to say it's got the best of you, but did you ever just be like, hmm, what if I made a fingerboard out of this? Like, for example, something that's really popular nowadays is three, uh, 3D printing. I know it may not be the best material to use, but have you ever, out of curiosity, tried it out? Yeah, so... I've used 3D printed boards that like some of my friends have made. I know a lot of people that experiment with all kinds of different materials and stuff. So it's really cool. Um, Like some people made 3D printed ones. Some people kind of like tried like injection molding, like plastic just for fun. But I mean, um, the best thing has just been wood, just like skateboards. Uh, There's a whole bunch of technology these days, but they still make them out of wood because it's the best. Yeah, so basically wood is the best. Um, I made some out of carbon fiber in the past too, just for fun. But yeah, plain old wood. <laughs> plain old wood, the classic woods just last. But that's for the board itself. Now let's say for the rest of the body of the skateboard. It, where do you actually see the future of the materials for making fingerboards going? Um, so the wheels, for example, they have real bearings in them. And I was the first one in the US to do that. So they're really tiny bearings and they spin, you know, really smooth and for a long time. And then the materials for the wheels, um, there's a few different ones that I use. They're like very high tech plastics that are used for like crazy applications, like in outer space and stuff like that. They just have like really special properties as opposed to like a cheaper plastic. So they actually give you a different feel and stuff like that. And some people do urethane wheels too, but I actually like the materials that I have are better performing on a fingerboard. They probably wouldn't be on a skateboard, but on a fingerboard scale, they're just better. So they make it easier to do tricks and stuff. Whereas like urethane is kind of too grippy. So it feels kind of cool, but it makes it a lot harder to actually fingerboard. So that's just kind of personal preference. Some people like the urethane, but most people like the different plastics that I'm using for my wheels. And then the trucks are made out of metal and then they have bushings made out of different like materials, kind of like silicone, similar types of things like that. Uh, so like the trucks can turn like a real skateboard and you can adjust them and you can get looser or tighter bushings. And yeah, everything is just like a skateboard. The only difference is a lot of times um, the tape that we use is like a foam tape instead of like a sandpaper kind of grip tape. And that just has like an amazing feel and it's a little more grippy um, without kind of like cutting your fingers up or anything. Like if you use skate grip for a long time, you'll kind of, you know, scratch stuff up and scratch up your fingers and stuff. So yeah, we, we have like special material foam tape. Uh, it's not sticky or anything, but it's just, it's just grippy enough that you can do tricks. This might be a really stupid question, but do you develop calluses on your fingers after just kind of like you know, when you play guitar or you work on something for a long time, your skin just gets tougher? No, luckily not. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, fingerboarding is fairly gentle, so there's not really any kind of like wear and tear that happens 
from it to your hands or anything. Um, if you were to use skate grip and fingerboard every day for a long time, like maybe a little, like I never had problems with it because we used it for years, like when we were little. But, you know, some people say like, oh, grip used to always cut my fingers up. So I don't know, maybe I just have good skin or something, but I never had that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the key to your success. Just great skin. <laughs> <laughs> so note to self, do not use grit 60 sandpaper, right? That, 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 that would not be fun. Yeah, not for long anyway. So we talked about the whole process of making the fingerboard, but there's also another element of fingerboarding, which is using it, doing the tricks and just being creative. So for you, I've seen you've done magic. It almost seems like you're a propeller. Just everything's just flipping so fast. I have to put the YouTube at like 0.25 to see how things are done. You're pretty amazing. Uh, so a question for you would be, where do you pull the inspiration to create new tricks? Yeah. So I guess I should mention just for anyone who doesn't really know what the heck we're talking about, um, how a fingerboard works is the exact same as how a skateboard works. So all the physics are the same, like you're popping the tail off the ground, which kind of launches it into the air a little bit. And then depending how you move your fingers or your feet, if it were a skateboard, um, depending how you move basically determines where the board goes next. You know, if it kind of jumps up and levels out or if it does a certain type of flip or anything like that. So um, it's all like it takes a little bit of talent to kind of figure it out and stuff, but it's all like the same physics as skateboarding. So on that note, a lot of the fingerboard tricks come from skateboarding. I mean, they're all the same tricks really, but you kind of have like unlimited capabilities, so to speak, where like you can keep trying something a thousand times because you don't have to get hurt every time you mess up. So you can really do things that would be very difficult on a skateboard. Although skateboarding is getting so crazy these days that there's a lot of tricks that we used to do as fingerboarders and we would say like, oh, that's unrealistic. Like you'd never see that on a skateboard. And now people are doing those tricks on skateboards too, because it's just progressing so much. So really anything is possible, but you can keep combining tricks more and more and uh, making them more complex and stuff like that. It's kind of like completely infinite. You know, there's just so many combinations you can do. There's so many basic tricks and then ways you can do little variations of them and then combine them with each other. And it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun, but yeah, a, a lot of my influence comes from watching skateboarding and then just kind of my own imagination. That is so cool. I love how skateboarding and fingerboarding feed off each other's energy to create new tricks. Do you know anybody who is currently doing skateboarding who got inspired from a trick you've done from fingerboarding? Oh, that's cool. Um, I don't know. There probably <laughs> are some, but I'm not directly aware of them at the moment. Well, for people who are fingerboarders and my listeners who do skateboarding or love both. And it's like, hey, yeah, Mike actually inspired me to do this awesome trick. Hey, sure. I'd love to see it. And I'm sure Mike would love to see it as well. <laughs> yeah, I definitely would. I mean, I have a lot of friends that are like pro skaters or near pro level that do crazy stuff. So it's possible that one of them kind of like have done some tricks they saw in like one of my videos or something, but I don't know. I haven't heard of it. So I'll definitely ask around. I'm kind of curious too now. This might be stupid, but here's a interesting video idea. Cause I know I saw you do a video a while back where it's kind of like the game of horse. So each person does a trick and the other person has to do the exact same trick. 
why not compete against somebody who's yeah like uses a skateboard <laughs> so yeah. you both go against each other like that yeah i actually did that and oh, i really? totally thought i was gonna win because i'm like you know fingerboard you can do anything and like you know you can do a lot of rotations with crazy flips and stuff and my friend actually beat me he was on a skateboard and i was on a fingerboard we played a few games and he won every time i was surprised okay i gotta ask you what was the trick that just stumped you I don't remember because it was a while ago, but he's just so consistent on <laughs> tricks that are like, you know, I could maybe do them in two or three tries. I could maybe do them down a 20 set on a fingerboard, but that doesn't matter because a flat ground game of skate is like, if you don't land it, it doesn't matter what you can do in three tries. It matters what you can do every try. So <laughs> so it's got me wondering now, is there a trick that you saw that to this day you still can't do? But like, this is like my big one that got away i need to learn how to do this one <laughs> um i don't know not <laughs> you really do, that i can all. think of <laughs> <laughs> i think i've done pretty much everything that i've tried um at this point although like i could think of tricks that i haven't done or i could think of a trick that would take me like 30 minutes straight tries like to land it uh, so i'm not saying like i can do everything or that i'm like that I could just like easily do anything. But I think like with enough effort, I could do most tricks that are presented to me at this point. Hopefully mm -hmm. <laughs> there's probably some that I can't <laughs> do that are like insane. The I mean, yeah, like, yet. <laughs> right. That's true. I guess like a triple impossible would be one that I've never done yet. Like I just kind of barely got double impossibles cause those are like ridiculous. Um, and I think I've seen a triple, so I know it's possible, but yeah, the triple impossible is possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, lo I love that. <laughs> and you know what? It is an exercise. It's a sport. So you, it's a lot of like muscle and memory and stuff like that. Well, muscle, muscle memory, not muscle and memory. Well, I guess both. But do you ever, let's say, get hand cramps or what is your process, let's say, to like get your hand in the, I was going to say in the mood, but in the physical <laughs> <laughs> get your hand in the mood to fingerboard yeah let's go with that yeah um i don't really do anything to warm up i kind of just grab a fingerboard here and there and do a few tricks whenever um or you know i just think it's something and just go for it like you don't really have to warm up like with skateboarding you might want to kind of roll around for a minute or two and do a few basic things before you try something hard uh so you don't hurt your muscles or anything but yeah, with fingerboarding, it's kind of like, I don't really think about it. But if you're trying a trick for a long time repetitively, you'll get sore eventually. Like usually kind of your, your like upper arm or like a weird muscle somewhere in your arm. Like if you're like straining the same motion, you know, for 30 minutes straight or something, which if you do anything for a long time in a row, like it's eventually going to catch up to you. So at this point, like if I'm trying a trick and I can't get it after a few minutes, I'll just like try something else and I'll go back to it later because yeah, that that's like the only time you really get sore. Otherwise you can fingerboard for like probably hours. And I'm sure you've been asked this question many times. Do you ever try fingerboarding with your other hand? Yeah. Uh, so one time, like a long time ago, I kind of like hurt my wrist and I couldn't fingerboard and it was, it lasted for like a few weeks. So I was like messing around with my left hand. And now I can do like kickflips, tray flips, a few basic grinds. And I'll still mess around with my left hand like for once in a while just for fun. 
Did, did you ever, let's say, I know it sounds weird saying this, but let's say you started a trick with your right hand and like transferred it to your left hand? Yeah, actually, <laughs> for some reason, I did that like a long time ago. I figured out that like a hard flip back tail is like the easiest trick to do that with from one hand to the other, even though it's like a pretty hard trick normally. For some reason, that's like the one trick you can do like from one hand to the other. So it's just like a goofy thing to mess around with. I guess I should try to learn it the opposite way from my left hand to right hand. That would be hard. <laughs> and speaking about making things hard, because, you know, you make things look so easy. Have, what is the craziest challenge you've put onto yourself? Let's say, I don't know, blindfolded. Uh, I was going to say asleep. I'm like, well, if you can fingerboard asleep, <laughs> cool. That's an awesome challenge. But yeah, what's the hardest challenge you've ever tried to do with fingerboarding? Actually, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> the hardest... Dang, I should have thought about this one beforehand. <laughs> so I told you, I told you I have a bunch of random questions that just pop up in my head because my curiosity gets the best of me every single time in every single interview. We can come back yeah, to that. Like At the, that in the middle of another question. You'd be like, Alex, shut up. I got an answer for you. Just, <laughs> just make me quiet. Okay. So we'll skip to another question, which is talking about your abilities. So what would you say is your strongest quality when it comes to fingerboarding? Is it speed, agility, strength? I've been fingerboarding like for such a long time that I think uh, lately I've been figuring out how to do tricks from like awkward positions that you're not like typically supposed to, um, which kind of like opens up a whole new world of like a ton of new tricks out of nowhere because it's like, oh, you can like put your hand on it backwards where you wouldn't normally, you know, pop a heel flip from, but now I can pop a heel flip from that weird position that like, you know, almost nobody else is doing yet. Like a few other people started doing it too. Um, but for most people, it's like completely out of the question. So I guess that's like a, that's like a newer thing that I figured out in the last year or two. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really fun because it's like, as soon as you thought you kind of like mastered all the basics and then like the combinations of those, it's like, here's a whole new world. And then, you mess around with it and you start figuring out things you didn't think were possible or that don't even seem possible. Like, um, there's other ones where like you could have like an obstacle right behind your hand where like it, it's kind of hitting your hand. So you'd have to like lift your hand up higher, which like normally you fingerboard kind of flat with your hand. So also like popping from like a more vertical stance with something behind you, like opens up a whole world of like, what tricks you can do with like a ledge behind your hand or something instead of having to start like from the other side of the ledge, like before it, you can start from like next to it, which is like, can be more realistic to like skateboarding in a way too. Man, I can just imagine all the things you've attempted. Um, probably tried it with your toes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the irony of that, just fingerboarding with your toes, like, why don't you just get a skateboard at that point? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, maybe with a snow glove, like a winter glove. Um, man, I, I'm looking inside my room like, what could be an odd thing to use but would make it look so awesome? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done finger snow skating uh, in the snow, like make ramps out of snow and then using like a snow skate kind of shaped board just for fun, like not anything too serious. But yeah, there's there's a lot of... Like we used to make them out of paper during class because we didn't want to get our real one taken away. So we'd like glue paper <laughs> together and like <laughs> let it dry and then like be flicking that around. And it's like not so loud. So we wouldn't usually get caught in class. Smart. I like that. I like that. 
adapt of survive improvise or something like that. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And it's, it's, it leads me to ask as well, where is the weirdest spot? You're like, yo, that'd be a cool place to just do a little trick. Let's say like on the window side of a bus, you're like, oh, cool. Let me just try it on there. Or like on your kid's head. Um, people don't <laughs> do it off your kid's head. They might not like it, but I'm saying, what is it like one spot? You're like, let me do it. Tissue box or anything like that. Yeah. A lot of times if I'm at like a restaurant or something like that, like there will be like an arrangement of like, you know, the counter has like a higher counter or the table has a little ledge next to it. And uh, I don't really care that much of about like what people think. So I just kind of fingerboard on it. Like if I see it uh, and yeah, sometimes people like are super confused about it and I can tell like the noise is kind of annoying. So I try like not to do it too much, but I'll definitely at least get a couple of tricks in. Like if I see something somewhere pretty random or whatever, and yeah, like, I don't know if, if I'm at like, you know, the bank or food shopping or whatever, like there's always spots and I usually have a board in my pocket just in case and then just kind of mess around here and there. Dude, I got you. If we ever hang out, I'm in Canada. If you ever come into Canada and want to do fingerboarding and need somebody to distract the public while you fingerboard, I will annoy <laughs> everybody. So don't worry. I got you. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. And you also build skate parks and I see in these is like amazingly and so intricate. Uh, so one of the question that has been like, I've watched your video and it's just been, I've been wondering, do you build the skate parks based off of locations you've seen? Or is it just more like, I would like to create a trick. I need these in these specific position. Yeah, I really both. Um, sometimes one or the other. Uh, a lot of times it's something you just kind of think of out of nowhere. And then other times it's recreating a real skate spot and then kind of anything in between, you know, you could take a spot you like and kind of make it better or make it more usable or something like that. Um, and yeah, I try to use realistic materials like concrete, metal, wood, all the same things you would find those things made out of in real life or granite. Um, yeah. So everything that you see in those parks is like, it's not just painted to look concrete or tile or anything like it's the actual materials. We even have like mini bricks. That is so cool. So you produced all, even the mini bricks you made? Or? I didn't make the mini bricks, but I do make a lot of like molded concrete stuff and hand shaped concrete stuff. But yeah, the bricks, uh, you can like buy little bricks online and stuff and then make stuff out of them like from real brick material. So it's pretty cool. Man, that must be so like therapeutic and relaxing to create. Uh, like. Oh man, you got me because I used to love making, let's say, um, was it Warhammer, like the terrain and stuff like that for fun. And I feel like it's the same kind of energy just creating, but yours is actually more practical where you can do tricks off of. And how long does it usually take you to create, let's say, one project? To make a whole park usually takes me like a couple of weeks or so. Um, but my one of my most recent parks, me and a friend made it in like six hours because he was like, he was like, we can make a park in four hours. And I'm like, there's no way. And then uh, he was just like, no, here's my idea and blah, blah, blah. And we kind of like brainstormed a little and then we're like, all right, let's go. And so like we just went to Home Depot and grabbed everything and then made it really fast. But usually like two weeks or so of like like countless hours per day like i'll be up until three four in the morning sometimes in the basement just working on stuff uh it's like really fun you just lose track of time and do you name your skate parks 
Yeah, I do. They have nice. all kinds of weird names. Uh, <laughs> oh, hit me. You got to hit me with them. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Uh, my favorite one is Tony Hawk's parking lot, um, which was like, <laughs> it's kind of a joke. Like, you know, if Tony Hawk had a parking lot, he, it would be like a skate park or, you know, something stupid like that. I was going to say, is there a little Tony Hawk uh, action figure in the middle? Just like, what the hell are all these people doing in my parking lot? <laughs> no, but I should totally get one. That would be pretty funny. It's a good idea. So I'm guessing you named the skate parks and do you also name the boards? That's a good point. Not really, um, but kind of. I mean, the boards, like right now I'm on generation 15, which means it's like the 15th like shape that I've gone through over the years. So like all the boards are G15, but that's just kind of like referring to like the mm-hmm. the board, the model that it is. And then um, I do a lot of blank wood and like wood designs, but then I also do graphics. So the printed graphics, they do each have a name. And I guess that is another place where I like make up kind of goofy names, like not too crazy, but just like you can call it whatever. So <laughs> it's fun. Cheese chair. Yeah. The cheese chair. Board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So okay, you've done 15 generations of these and it sounds odd saying this, but how many skateboards within one generation on average until like you realize, all right, this is the next generation of skateboard. Yeah, uh, it varies a lot. So like some of them, like, for example, the G12, there's thousands of G12s out there. But then if you go to like G10, there's probably like a couple hundred at the most or something. And then G15, there's the most of because that was kind of where I landed eventually and was like, this is for the time being, this is perfect. And I felt that way for long enough not to change it to the point where like that's that's the dominant board that there's been like, I can't even say how many have been made, like so many for <laughs> for a lot of years now. And then there was definitely some like, I can't remember what the G9 was, for example. So there could have been maybe like one of them or five of them or who knows, like I don't even remember specifically the G9. And yeah, G7, there was there was a lot of, but that's when I didn't have much help with my company. So I was really like yeah i don't know there might be like 50 of them or something like that it was kind of like smaller scale because i had to do everything not just making the boards but also like packaging them and handling customer support and so many different things so over the years like once i was able to like hire my parents and hire other people um to help out then i could focus more on like you know what i like to do like making the boards and all that like without wasting my time going to the post office so you're giving me inspiration because I'm in the process of creating a board game all by myself, basically. And oh, I'm sweet. Do, doing the graphic design. I It's my first board game and it's podcast related and it's gone, but I'm just loving the process and I'm just getting, I'm feeding off of your energy. So thank you. Thank you, Mike. I'm like, if Mike can do it alone, awesome. I can maybe, maybe do it alone. Mike is way superior to me, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can definitely do it. I mean, I feel like anybody who has like, something that they want to make and they they have like a vision for it it's like why not you know like it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing or isn't doing or says you can't do or can do it's like if you have the energy to do something you have the motivation the idea whatever then just like go for it you know and if you do need help then ask for help and if you don't need help then just do it you can totally like people underestimate what one person can do i think I'm going to put that on a t-shirt, that whole quote right there. 
That's perfect. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Love it. So you cool. have done multiple generations, but I'm sure you've seen throughout the world of uh, fingerboard other things happening as well. And are you noticing any trends or designs that are coming back? Like something that in the past, like, oh, we didn't like that. But like now it's like, oh, actually, yeah, this is kind of cool. Yeah. Some of the old stuff that's coming back lately is pretty cool. Uh, fingerboards used to be a lot smaller. Um, so tech decks are like 26 millimeters wide. And then uh, we used to make boards around the same size and then they gradually got wider over the years uh, to the point where now the most popular size is like between 32 to 34 millimeters. Um, just like it's wider and kind of easier to use and stuff like that. But lately, a lot of people have been making like 28 millimeters and even 26s again, just kind of like as a throwback. But then, you know, some people like them better because it's like it flips faster and it looks like smaller and it has like a different style to it and stuff like that. So uh, once in a while, I'll make some batches of G15 boards, but with the smaller width, just like the old boards used to be. So that's a cool older kind of trend that's coming back lately. That's really fun. You never know when they're going to come back. And sometimes they come back even better. Somebody just makes a small adjustment to it and it's like, hey, this is great, but we can make it greater. Yeah, exactly. So it's like the new, the new, um, you know, the new technology, the new methods of making boards as good as we do now, but as the size that they used to be 10 to 20 years ago. And I seem to also remember back in the days when fingerboards came out roughly around that time, there was also... I don't know if you also remember these. There's like the Razor scooters, kind of yeah. like the finger Razor scooters. Did you ever give those a try? Um, I might have had one or two as a joke at some point. Is there like some hidden beef between fingerboards and Razor scooter fingers? <laughs> oh, I mean, no, not really. Like <laughs> skateboarders don't really like scooters usually, but I don't really care. Like people can do whatever they want. I I scootered for like two years, but then I was like this is not as fun to me as skateboarding. So I went back to skateboarding. Like it's for me, skateboarding is way, way better, more fun. It feels better. And it's probably something I'm going to do until I'm too old to stand on it anymore. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Wait, you're telling me that you didn't have fun when you like spun the, uh, razor scooter and then the metal came, thing came smashing to your shin. You didn't have fun doing I that? knew you were going to say that. I knew it. <laughs> what? Come on. That dent in my leg? Oh, it's priceless. <laughs> no, it's way more worth it to take a skateboard to your shin than a scooter. <laughs> yeah, that thing just swung with passion and just left a dent. It was hacking at your leg slowly. Good times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and speaking about good times, we're going to do a little segue. What would you say is the best part about fingerboarding on a personal and an emotional level? Oh, that's awesome. There's a lot, but I would say two different things between um, the friends and community and all that. Like I've made a lot of my best friends through fingerboarding and a lot of them came from different places um, around the country and around the world even. So it's like people that I would not have met normally that I met through fingerboarding and then like over the years become like some of your absolute best friends ever. And you have like cool times with them traveling and visiting and all kinds of stuff like that. So I've made like really amazing connections because of fingerboarding. And then the other thing that I would say is like the exact opposite of that is like how much fun you can have when you're completely by yourself 
and there's nobody around and you're just fingerboarding and uh, there's so much you can do alone with it. That's really therapeutic because it's like you have something you can work on. You can be creative with it. You can challenge yourself. You can make videos. Like I learned all kinds of stuff like making videos and websites and photography and lighting and editing, all kinds of different things that I learned from fingerboarding or because of fingerboarding. Uh, so it's just a whole world of like, you know, creativity and relaxing and challenging. And it's like whatever you want it to be at the moment. There's so many directions that you can take fingerboarding at any time. I love how you made fingerboarding the perfect extroverted and introverted hobby as well, or just activity yeah. and thing that you love. And here's my stupid mind going into chaotic mode. When you said the complete opposite, you know, of like friends and creating the bonds, my mind went to, oh, cool. Enemies, like, you know, having villains yeah. and like just <laughs> battles of like pure rage. Like, yeah, that's the complete opposite. <laughs> and then you went to say like, oh no, like more independent time, like me time. Ah, that makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, actually, weird question on that note. Do you have any quote unquote rival, like arch rival, your nemesis? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad you went there just because it's funny. Um, <laughs> I mean, at this point, I would say no, but definitely used to. I mean, back in the days, like when I was first kind of getting established as like, uh, you know, the company and myself and whatever, like people were pretty nasty to each other not just to me but there was there was like some nasty people online for sure and um yeah there was people like you know they would just make up a random lie like oh mike's boards are made in china in a factory he doesn't make them by hand at all he's lying and it's like no here's a video of me making it <laughs> like wh what the heck like i made all these boards dude like stop and you know people most people wouldn't believe it because they know better but like some people would believe stupid things like that and so there was definitely enemies like at one point, but then over the years, they kind of, you know, grew up from like, okay, I'm not 12 anymore. Now I'm 16 and I realize I'm being an idiot. I better go apologize. And like, so all those people have pretty much, you know, eventually apologized and stopped. And like, you know, most of it didn't last long. Maybe it was a week or a month or a year of it. And then it kind of faded away. But obviously none of that impacted anything negatively um, in a way that lasted to this point. Cause it's like, you know, it, it had the smallest possible dent, any of the rivalries or whatever that happened when we were younger. And then like most fingerboard companies are like really friendly and nice. Like they're not like mean or competitive or anything like that. Like we all get along and we kind of like help each other out. Like instead of me competing with other companies, I'll say, Hey, I can sell your stuff on my website. Cause I think your stuff is really good. And like, we can get it out to more people. And then it helps both of us instead of me being like, oh, I got to sell more. How can I outcompete him so that people buy mine and not his? It's like, no, if people want to buy their stuff, why don't we bring it on, you know, and we can help everybody that way. And it does help because some people are in like crazy countries that they can't even ship to the US very easily. So it's like it. Yeah, there, there's a lot of really cool ways that um, we kind of work together instead of against each other. Um, but yeah, there was like another enemy so to speak like back in the day when i first made like the bearing wheels there was like another company in europe that was like super aggressive and like so we kind of had a feud like i don't <laughs> even know i can barely remember what it was even about at this point because it was so long ago but it was like people always joked like flat face versus substance like what's better who's better who's like and 
I don't know, like he was always like, whatever, not the nicest and stuff. And yeah, I mean, one day, like I met him in real life and it was all good. It was many years later. And it's like, we don't have any bad feelings now against each other. But like, you know, when you're young and like trying to build a brand, like everything feels like so, you know, it's like, I, I worked so hard at this. How dare you say something bad about my work or like whatever. But yeah, it's at this point, it's like super chill. And um, I guess looking back at it, like I would say, if you're at the point where I was, where like somebody's like, you know, treating you badly or something, like just ignore it. You know, if you don't answer it, it will go away really fast. But if you do engage with them, like it, it's going to follow you because they're going to have fun going back and forth with you and it's going to waste your time probably. So yeah, keep it to positive, good vibes as much as possible. I love that so much. And it's really odd that you like, it's not odd, but, uh, you know, I like to try to be positive, this podcast being positive, but for podcasting, we get a lot of spam tweets and stuff like that, like messages directly. And to the point where I'm like, ah, I'm bored. Let me reply to them. And I hold up a conversation to the point where the spammers actually block me. So <laughs> <laughs> just, I go on, I, I use it as an improv practicing for my podcast, you know, trying to keep up a conversation. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. You, you and I, we grew up in, let's say more or less the early days of like the wild, wild west of the internet where, oh yeah, where it was just wild and stuff like that was pretty common everywhere. So, but I'm glad you yeah. were able to grow from it and become the person you are today and create and just keep on doing what you love to do. Definitely. But to go back into the darker side of things, cause I, my podcast is so dark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are some misconceptions about people who do fingerboarding? I don't know. I don't really care about what people think about other people based on what they do and stuff like that. I try to say like, you know, if, if somebody has a hobby that you might think is like weird or you don't understand it or something, instead of like making fun of it, you could ask them about it and try to like understand like, Oh, what is it about that, that you like so much? Or like, how is that? How is that fun? How is that? Like, what does that do for you? And not in a condescending way, but in like, I'm genuinely interested way because fingerboarding is like, now it's like pretty accepted. I feel like people have this vibe lately where it's just like everything's supposed to be fine and accepted and whatever. But back in the days, it was not as popular. So like people would be like, oh, do it on a real skateboard or whatever. And now it's like we found out like, oh, a lot of pro skaters actually fingerboard too because it's just fun. Like who cares what you do? It doesn't harm anyone. It's just fun. So um, yeah, I mean, people who fingerboard generally are like we all get along really well like you can meet any fingerboarder and think that you have nothing else in common or think that you might even have things like not in common and then you just start fingerboarding together and like within minutes like you're just getting along and your friends like every there's there's so rarely a time that fingerboarders don't get along because i think you have to be a certain type of person to fingerboard some type of creative open-minded type of person like just enough that you're gonna do such a weird thing as to fingerboard you know whatever that mm -hmm. is it kind of reminds me of like anime in the sense that back in the days people saw that like oh only nerds and geeks watch that but nowadays it's pretty well accepted everywhere <laughs> yeah definitely it's kind of similar to that like fingerboarding is way more accepted now than it was when i was like starting out and stuff but I don't know. I always wanted to be weird and stuff. So I like didn't care at all. Like if people thought it was weird, I'm just like, oh, sweet. It's working. Like, cool. I'm just going to do what I like to do. Like, 
I don't like following the crowd or like doing what other people expect or like whatever. Like I just kind of want to do like what feels right and what's fun. So dude, you're not yeah. weird. You're awesome and inspirational. <laughs> like you, I told you you are inspiring me. And if you're oh, weird, awesome. then I'm, I'm super weird too. So we're, we're weird brothers at this point. Good. So yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take that society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's awesome. And so for you, what is something, you know, now that you wish you knew when you first started fingerboarding? Nothing. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, yeah. I've never gotten that answer. That's awesome. I love oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I really mean it because, um, I feel like if I knew anything differently, then the path would have changed and I wouldn't have gotten where I am right now. Something different would have happened along the way. So like I, I would, I wouldn't, I don't regret anything. I wouldn't change anything or I wouldn't like go back and tell myself something. Uh, yeah. I mean, the only thing, if I had to like tell my younger self something, like it's a question people ask a lot, like I would, I would like write like a little smiley face or something, like keep it positive and like vague. <laughs> oh man, you're making me blush. Aw, that's cute. I love that. That's awesome. It was sweet, short, and powerful at the same time. And with the same train of thought, with that life experience, what has it actually taught you in life? You know, it's taught me like, I don't want to say everything, but it's taught me so much because like such a big part of my life is uh, in one way or another connected to fingerboarding and my whole journey through fingerboarding and stuff. So it's kind of just shown me that like, if you like something and you want to do it, you can and you should basically like I was expected to go to college, for example, and I, I thought my whole life that I was going to go to college until like sometime during senior year when I was like, you know what, I don't want to be a doctor anymore. And then it was kind of like a like a panic moment, like, whoa, like what? What? what's the path now? This is the path that I always had in my head, like since I was tiny that I wanted to be a doctor. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, I don't want to be one anymore. And maybe I don't even want to go to college at all, or there's no need to, cause I'm already doing really well with this fingerboarding thing. And then it's kind of scary. Cause you're like, well, what if people stop fingerboarding in two years, then what, then I'm screwed and I blew it. Uh, so it's like, you know, there's going to be times when you have to take a risk, but you have to kind of assess like, where are you and what's the trajectory looking like and kind of, you know, what else is possible in similar ways? Like, for example, if fingerboarding was suddenly non-existent anymore, I feel like I've learned so much from it and also from having my company that I could just like make a new business, you know, because it's like, uh, there's just so much that you learn from it. So. I would say to anybody, like, you got to do what you like, even if it's a little bit risky, like, you know, obviously think it through really well and ask a lot of people their opinions, but also don't, don't get discouraged, but, you know, try to view it from every angle and then make your own decision. Like, do I think I can do this? And if you do think you can do it, you should, because the last thing anyone wants is to do something that they don't like for their whole life, like get a job they don't like and be miserable just so they can like hope they can retire later. It's like you, you'd be better off doing what you love and maybe even failing and then trying again and doing something else and finding your way than just working like at a desk job that you don't like. I mean, desk jobs are awesome for some people, but for some other people, it's not the right way to go. 
So you got to just kind of like follow your heart. Also putting all that on a t-shirt, all of that. <laughs> the whole, like, <laughs> the huge, whole like, thing, front and, front and back. Yeah. And you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. It kind of reminds me of a quote my dad used to say, and it's probably a quote every father or person has said to everybody. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. Right. So you you can listen to people's opinions and just do whatever feels right for you. And, and I love the the advice you just gave. And speaking about opinions, I'm not calling you an asshole, but the next question is, do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in this hobby? People can take your opinion or not, but once again, I'm making it clear. Mike is not an asshole. He's a lovely, (laughs) lovely human being. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Anybody who wants to start fingerboarding, I think you should go to like Walmart or go online or whatever and buy a tech deck because they're like four, maybe five, six dollars. And it's not going to perform that great or anything, but it's like a starting point and you can kind of, you know, play around with it and watch like some YouTube tutorials, how to ollie, how to kickflip, stuff like that. And see if you like it, you know, if you hate it, then you'll be happy that you didn't spend money on like a real board. And if you like it, you know, two days later, you can order like a real good board online and then when you get it, you'll be like, okay, wow, this is so much easier now. And it feels so much better. And this is like really, really cool. But, you know, even just starting with the tech deck, you'll know pretty quickly, you know, within a few days, you're going to know if if you like it or not at all. And then um, once you're past that stage, my advice is like fingerboard for fun. Like when people get more serious, it's like sometimes people might want to get like a sponsor or like try to make money or try to be famous or noticed online or whatever it is like don't let stuff like that cloud your judgment or cloud your your path of like doing something because you enjoy it because if you do enjoy it you'll probably get good at it and you'll probably get noticed and all those other things can happen you know you can make money if you do something well you don't have to try to make money and then hope you do something well, like, you know, do, do everything with intentions of like, how can I enjoy this? How can I do it better? Stuff like that. And everything else will fall into place, whatever it is. And I mean, whether it's like just purely a hobby or if you want to do something more with it, you got to go that way, either way. Listen to your heart. That's that's literally all you have to do. And yep. man, you, you, the way you just deliver all that is just poetic. It's beautiful. I love it. Thank you. That's <laughs> and, awesome. And you're talking about people should just look up YouTube videos. So this is a perfect segue to my following question. You, we've talked about this at the beginning of the episode, but I'll bring it back at the end so people can be reminded. Do you have any social media links, websites, or projects you're working on so people can come find you and show you all the support? Yeah, definitely. Um, so flatfacefingerboards.com and then YouTube. Uh, Mike Schneider, and then also Instagram, Mike Schneider 161. Uh, Instagram, I kind of like use it sort of as a joke. I mean, I post fingerboard clips on there too, but I used to post like just random nothing and get like 5,000 likes on like a cheeseburger or something like that. And I'm just like, what the heck? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is it like, is there a fingerboard underneath the cheeseburger? Is that what's happening? No, like just (laughs) picture my food or something, like not even fingerboard related, but. Uh, lately I've been putting more fingerboard clips on there just cause like people like to see them. <laughs> there you go. Well, perfect. I'll put that down below so people can go check that out and show you some love. And now you've been on a few interviews and this is probably a question that you've never been asked before. It's really odd, but I do it at the end of every single episode. I'm at 224 episodes, so it's kind of a trend now. But my last question is, 
Do you have any questions for me about fingerboarding? That's cool. Um, what do you what do you really think about it? Like what what is fingerboarding to you as somebody who's like not a fingerboarder specifically? Mm. Um, what's the overall impression that you get? And maybe like what are yeah, I mean, let's start there. Okay. Yeah. Well, I did do a little bit of it when I was younger and I loved it, but with me, I have horrible dexterity. And for the life of me, as a kid, I was trying out everything and I just could not ollie. I did not understand. I was also skateboarding a little bit. I didn't understand the physics behind ollieing, but it was one of those things where I was too scared to hurt myself. This is for skateboarding that I didn't try. For fingerboarding, I just could not figure out the hand coordination. Like this is a little backstory. I produce music as well. And I can't play the piano to save my life. I do one key at a time. If you were to ask me to play Mary Had a Little Lamb on the piano, I'd go one finger and it would take me five hours. I do not have the dexterity to do it, but I am so like infatuated by it. I love watching it because I remember I had somebody on my podcast as well who does uh, pen spinning and it's the same idea like how... I just love the way that the fingers just operate like that. It's like independently, my hand, I'm looking at it right now. And it's like working as a unit, just if I bend one finger, all the fingers bend. But I see people who do fingerboarding, pen spinning, stuff like that. They're able to control every finger or even like coin flipping. I I find that pretty cool. And I'm not jealous. I'm not envious. I'm admiring it. Cool. Yeah, it's very interesting because, yeah, I mean, some people just can't do it. And I don't know. I would still say like if you really want to do it, you could probably figure it out if you tried enough. Um, like one interesting tip that I heard from somebody that I never would have thought of myself is like think of it as like you're flipping a spoon on the table. You know how you can like <laughs> press it down and it'll like go flying? It's kind of like that where you hit the tail down and then the whole thing just kind of pops up. And then from there, you just kind of like lift your hand with it at the right speed. Um, and that's helped a lot of people to kind of get get from nothing to something to just try to like flip it up like a spoon so maybe that will help you jogged my wild memory or my wild imagination when you said flip a spoon the first thing that came to mind was me just clench clenching a fist and just slamming on the table and the spoon just goes <laughs> flying I'm like okay that's how you start fingerboarding cool perfect i got that i can nail that <laughs> well i can literally let's say nail that no pun intended i don't know if that's a pun but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, just like that, but a little bit gentler, like with one finger. <laughs> <laughs> Not the whole fist. Okay, so you know what? I really do want to try it again. And it's actually weird saying this, but I want to try it with either my son or my daughter. My daughter's going to be born in November, but I want to try it with them trying out new hobbies. But I think fingerboarding is more, what age would you recommend somebody? Let's say if I wanted to introduce it to my son, what age would you recommend? Um, It seems like... For people like to seriously fingerboard, it's kind of like seven or eight is the the lowest. And usually it's kind of like eight or nine is like where they'll really be able to like do tricks and stuff. But there's been occasions where like somebody's four year old loves it and just like, you know, grabs it with their thumb, but like really plays around with it as if they're doing tricks and stuff. And um, so really, I don't think any age is too young, but it seems like kind of seven, eight, nine is like where kids really start getting the skill to like do real tricks and control mm-hmm. it and stuff. Yeah. My son still puts cars in his mouth, so it might be a little too young. <laughs> I don't want him to put a skateboard in his mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? I do want to try it out with my, my kids and just have fun and 
compete, I will be the type of father like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know what? I'm tired. Uh, you won. I just, my hand, oh, it's cramping. Oh, see, I broke a finger. Dad, your finger's fine. Uh, see, you just can't see it from your angle. Yeah, it's broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would definitely love to try it again. Cool, uh, I'll send you one. Dope. Yeah, don't, 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 don't send me. I want to buy it. I want to really? buy, I want to say, oh, yeah, I want to show support. Once I have my finances done, daycare is expensive, but once I have finances done and stuff like that, <laughs> I want to show support. I'm Don't send one. I'm going to buy one. Do you ship to Canada? Uh, of course I do. All right. How about half off? <laughs> uh, <laughs> give me 1% off. Okay. I want to show 1%. support. 1%. Yeah. Yeah. I'm showing you support. I'm not doing this. Like we're friends. Well, we're our friends. We're family now. It's official. Yeah. We're siblings. You can't, you're my brother and you can't take that away. Even I guess my show, but I do want to show support. And you know, that's, that's my thing. I'm, I'm Canadian. I'm, I was gonna say I'm Canadian. I'm stubborn. No, I'm Canadian. I say, sorry. That's what I do. Uh, but yeah, once I have finances settled down, I will definitely reach out and buy a board and I'll go with your recommendation on what's a good beginner board. Cool. Well, I'm probably going to send you two boards when you order one, so you might have to do it discreetly as somebody else. Well, I'll, I'll do two payments since you said that, so, huh, joke's on you. Then you're going to get evil four. Plan. Well, now I know your evil plan. I'm going to pay four times. I feel like you're just, you know, this is like a tactic. Mm. Like, yeah, I'm going to do a hundred. Yes, you're going to pay me a hundred yeah. times. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> uh, so there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you so much, Mike, for coming on and just giving some great energy and answering all my wild questions. I really did appreciate it. If you guys would love to learn more about Mike, go check him out. I'll put all the links down below so it'll be very easy to find. If you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you can send me, uh, send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you love the podcast, you can leave a review. Uh, you can be a guest. I already said that. You can buy merchandise. Um, what else? I'm working on a board game that... Mike is inspiring me to just keep pushing now. So thank you, Mike. Uh, but yeah, I'm all over the internet and yeah, I'm here if you ever need me, but for now, thank you so much, Mike, for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was super fun and I hope it shows fingerboarding to some new people that might get into it. And also let me know when your board game's done. Cause I want to check that out too. It sounds really cool. Well, actually I have an online version of it. So if you ever want to play test Ooh. it, I would love to have more eyes on it. Yeah. But this cool. is, we can talk about this after the show. We, we got to keep some secrecy. Yeah. So keep people engaged. Right. Like, ooh, what is this board game about? Is it just the <laughs> face of Alex on every card? No, it's not. <laughs> I'm not that ego egotistical. <laughs> so until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. <laughs>